Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Title with Emerald Coast Title Services. I'm your host, Dion Moniz. We have our co-host, Ashley Bowen. Hello. And our special guest today is Jane Kerrigan with Hand Arundel Harrison Sale, of which I also belong to. But Jane, tell us a little bit about what you do and, and why you're here. So with Hand Arundel Harrison Sale, I'm an attorney and I primarily do uh, estate planning, probate, trust administration, and those types of things. I work out of the Santa Rosa Beach office and then also here in Destin with Dion. Yes, we see you bouncing around quite a bit, depending mm -hmm. on who your clients are and when they need to meet you. Exactly. <laughs> so she's our roving lawyer. <laughs> so today, episode eight, I see dead people. I see dead people. Sounds so scary. It is scary. It can be. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about uh, various tenancies of uh, basically ownership of real property and then what happens when those people die, which Jane is our resident expert on dead people. Dead people. <laughs> Jane, do you see dead people? Not too often. Not too often. Every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Let's st start with talking about the different tenancies that are out there. Obviously, uh, if you own property by yourself, it's a sole tenancy. And then we have the default tenants in common. Jane, you want to give a little uh, explanation on what tenants in common means? Sure. So <clears throat> if you hold property with anyone and just you have both your names on the deed or you have three names in the deed, the default is going to be that if there's two people, you own it 50-50. So each of you owns 50% of the property. If one of those individuals passes away, that 50% goes to their estate. Um, and of course you can, I think you can change the ownership percentages, but it just has to be. You can, but it will default as a 50%. Um, and then those tenants in common, each tenant could sell their percentage sure. of the property to someone else without the other tenant's approval if they wanted to. So if it's not indicated on the deed, say if there's three people named, it's default tenants in common and default equal ownership among the three. So a third, a third each. But if you specify, you can make those percentages anything you want as tenants in common. So if it needs to be 75% to one, 25% to another or whatever, as long as you put that in the deed, that's how it is. And then those owners can sell their individual interests to whoever they want. Again, as this, as it's indicated in the deed. I have a question. Sure. So sometimes you can see um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith as husband and wife and Jack Smith as tenants in common. Mm -hmm. Would the husband and wife part of it be a tenant by the entirety? Yes, correct. So their share would be held as kind of one share as tenants by the entirety and then the other as a common tenant. tenant. Correct. So if it doesn't say anything in the deed, the default is tenants in common, which mm -hmm. is or can be unequal shares. The next tenancy is joint tenants, which has to be equal ownership. So you can't specify different uh, percentages. If it's three owners, it's a third. If it's two owners, it's, it's half and half. But the cool thing about joint tenancy is that it can carry survivorship rights. Jane, why don't you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so if the deed states that it's joint tenants with rights of survivorship, then if any one of the tenants passes or passes away, then the property already automatically passes to those other owners named on the deed. So it's a really easy form to avoid probate and all those types of things for that specific. And the only thing we have to do in order to convey title to someone else is record that death certificate, and then it's, it's automatically. 
Yes, and and as Ashley was saying, with tenants in common, anyone can sell. The, with joint tenants with rights of survivorship, everyone's got to sell. So no one joint tenant can sell the property without the approval of the other joint tenant. So that sometimes creates some issues, but overall it works really well. And then last but not least, is tenants by the entireties, which is for married folks. And that carries a lot of protections with homestead and, and everything else. So let's explain tenancy by the entireties. Well, it does the same thing as joint tenants with the rights of survivorship without having to say those words. All you have to say is as husband and wife. Correct. Yeah. You just have to indicate somewhere on the deed that they're married somehow. Um, but one thing, and that's the crucial part. I don't know if you've run into this, Ashley. I definitely have where a married couple may take title, but it, for whatever reason, husband or wife doesn't make it onto the deed. So it just says, John Smith, and a lot of times when they have different last names, so it's John Smith and Barbara something else. <laughs> so Barbara Bush. Even, even though they're married, they're still considered tenants in common because they don't have that husband and wife language. Correct. Yeah, you've got to have that in the deed, which is part of our job as a title company is we will make sure that we understand how title is to be vested with the owners. So another critical separation or distinction uh, is for collections purposes. Tenancy by the entireties has protection against creditors. If you have a creditor of one spouse, but not both, they cannot attach to that property. It has to be a creditor of both spouses. Whereas if it's joint tenants or tenants in common, a creditor of one of the owners, creditor can actually go in there and cause a partition sale of that debtor's interest, uh, whereas they cannot do that tenancy by the entireties, unless the judgment is, is against both uh, spouses. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Take title as so, <laughs> husband and wife. Yes, if, you, yeah, if you're married. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, that carries across the board. Vehicles, real property. Mm -hmm. So if you're married, hold everything as tenancy by the entireties mm -hmm. to get that uh, creditor protection. But more importantly, I want to talk about dead people. <laughs> okay. So let's yeah. talk about what happens when people die under these various ownership uh, situations. So tenants in common first, if somebody passes that's on the deed. So if someone passes that's on, on the deed and the title just is owner A and owner B, owner A dies, um, then there would have to be a probate. Um, and typically that in Florida, that's going to have to be a whole formal administration, which can be a fairly lengthy process. Um, so that is something that, you know, when you're looking to sell property to making sure that 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 started um, before you go under contract. And we know a really good attorney that can handle that for you. The other issue that a lot of people don't think about is that say, you know, grandmother lives in Alabama, she passes away, her will's probated, but she also owns this condo in Destin. The Florida probate law does not necessarily recognize Alabama. You still have to go through the pro go through the process in Florida. So it's, it's just because the probate's been done somewhere, it has to be done in Florida. But it's usually quicker if it has been probated in another state, correct? Because you can just a lot of times take those. The only time it's quicker is if they've been deceased for more than two years or if the property is worth less than $75,000. Otherwise, we still have to do the whole formal administration. And sometimes it, it actually creates a little bit of a delay because we then have to get the exemplified copies, which basically means the judge takes a whole packet of that file and signs off on it and have that all sent to us. And then we can file. And although 
this probate's already been done for whatever reason. We have to go through the whole process here in Florida. So it can it can cause a lot of delays, especially with COVID. And now some courts are closed, like in Georgia and Alabama, and getting those exemplified copies has been a little bit more difficult than in the past. All right. So we talked about what happens when someone dies under uh, tenants in common. Now let's talk about if it's joint tenants with the right of survivorship or tenancy by the entireties. That's pretty easy. They just <laughs> it just transfers. Um, so tenants joint joint tenants with rights of survivorship. Usually, I think you just have to file the death certificate. Yeah. And I think tenants by the entirety, we do the death certificate and an affidavit of continuous marriage. Depends on um, what's happened recently and. If there's like judgments or something against one or the other, then yes, we have to do the continuous marriage affidavit. But otherwise, a lot of times it's just the death certificate. And so the important thing with either of those tenancy, joint tenants with the right of survivorship or tenancy by the entireties is you avoid probate. All right. So let's talk about probate. What exactly is probate? So probate is basically um, having the court determine who the heirs are and if there's a will, the court will admit the will to probate, and then it becomes the official document. And once that will is admitted to probate, then all the heirs have an interest in whatever property they received under the will. So basically, it's just a court process to determine where that property goes. And really, it's just a lot of paperwork. So what happens if there is no will? Well, if there's no will, then the property is going to pass according to statute. So it's whatever the, the statute says. So it's a, a little different in, in um, every situation. So if you're you know, married with kids and your wife passes away, then all the spouse is going to get all the property. Um, but if it's, say, a second marriage and the children are of the deceased spouse and not of the live spouse, then it's going to go 50-50. So it's, it just varies based on the family dynamics. And so what we see so many times, or not, it's common, uh, is we'll be doing a closing and you'll run into a situation where uh, dead people. there's dead people involved. And so we have to get a probate done. And so instead of having to send everyone outside to a different uh, law firm. We just go to Jane. My <laughs> <laughs> And so that's one of the cool things about having the law firm and the title company under the same roof is that we have Jane on hand to get a probate done. And you've done, um, I mean, how, what's the quickest you've gotten one done before? Pretty, pretty Four days. Quick. Four days? Yeah. Pretty but good. I wouldn't put that out there. <laughs> we won't That's do that exception. standard every time. But when we get a title issue and then we have to get a probate done, Jane steps in, gets it done, and we're back on track. And we can usually get it closed without any extensions. Yes. Um, and Jane, you have been doing probate in this area, probate law, for how long? Since 2008. Um, so when I moved here, I started with a real property law, but then kind of moved into probate pretty quickly, probate and estates. So... So 12 years and you, um, you know, like the idiosyncrasies of the different courts of the Walton County judges and the Okaloosa County judges. And yes, they're all slightly different. They have slightly different timelines. They have slightly different requirements as far as some require checklists and things like that. So yeah, we are familiar with all the judges and what they want. Um, and that's why Jane can get everything done so smoothly. That's why we love Jane. <laughs> All right, so what about holding property in a trust? So if property's held in a trust, that's another way to avoid probate. Um, basically, 
it just passes to whoever the trust instrument states, or sometimes it remains in trust, just depending on, on what the trust document says. So it's the trustee is the one that would be able to sell property or purchase property in the name of the trust. And I think sometimes you need to see the trust just to make sure they have those powers, but. Yes, um, sometimes we do. Sometimes we um, will come to you with that document and say, tell me who can sign, because I try not to practice law as much as possible. <laughs> well, and a lot of times, too, if we're doing a loan, uh, if I'm acting as lender's counsel and there's a trust involved, I'll have Jane review the t trust document to make sure it's valid and everyone has the appropriate authority, because I'd, mm -hmm. I'd rather have a professional make that decision for me. So. <laughs> So we appreciate that. Because he's not one. <laughs> I'm in some ways, but not when it comes to trust. So actually, that's actually a third way of avoiding probate is to have the property mm -hmm. held by a trust. And that's something you can you can help set up. Yes, and that and that would probably be more advisable as it goes on to next generation. So if, as your spouses, you know, you can pass back and forth, but then once once that first spouse dies, then you're back to a sole tenancy. So then it's, it's advisable to think about a trust if you want to avoid probate. About how long does it take for you to go through a trust process with, with a couple? If, if they don't have a trust and they come in to meet you for the first time, how long does it take until you can get everything in order for them? Well, it really does Every situation is different. It really depends on the family and who we're working with. And, and a lot of times it's you know, sometimes it's one meeting and it's, you know, everyone, everything to each other, then to the kids, that's it. And it's fairly straightforward. But a lot of we try to sit down and work with each individual to, to figure out what's best for them and make sure we think about all the repercussions. So sometimes it'll take several meetings to get that down to exactly what they're going to want and what, what works best for their family. So it, it can be a week, it can be months, it just depends. And then after you have um, formed the trust, then do you then go and place properties into that trust? Yes, if it's Florida property, I'm happy to help deed the property over. If it's not Florida property, I'm happy to find someone to deed <laughs> the property <laughs> over. And we probably, we could dedicate mm -hmm. an entire episode on the different types of trust between mm -hmm. revocable and irrevocable. So let's hold that thought because I think that's more material for mm -hmm. a, a separate episode. I wanna talk about life estates real quick. So explain to our audience what a life estate is, and then we can go through the different types of life estate interests. So a life estate interest is basically you have the right to the property for your lifetime. And so a traditional life estate, if so say mom or grandma gives the property to her grandson, but she reserves the life estate for herself, she is responsible to care for that property. So pay the taxes, make sure there's no waste, um, but she receives any rent. Um, but she couldn't sell the property without the grandson who will who is the remainder man, if you want to go law school terms, <laughs> um, consenting to it. So it's it's more of a, a it's kind of a pro it's you're kind of locked in once you do it, unless everyone's on the same page. I really like the term remainder man. I think it's <laughs> awesome. So you're saying that if you um, deed the property to the grandson, but you hold a life estate for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so you're the owner, and then when you pass, does it automatically yes. go to the grandson? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it automatically goes to the grandson, and you still get all the benefits. The grandson still gets all the benefits from, for tax purposes. So we get they get what's called a step-up in basis, which essentially, if they were to sell it that day, there would be no gain attributable, even if there'd been appreciation. So it helps with taxes instead of... A lot of people will add their children onto their 
property towards end of life because they think it's easier to pass like with joint tenants with rights of survivorship, but they, their beneficiaries lose out on that tax benefit of receiving the property when their parent or grandparent passes. So that's another benefit of the life estate. But then there's also the enhanced life estate, which is what I really like. Perfect transition. That was actually my next question. <laughs> and that one is also known as a ladybird deed. Yes. Is that correct? Why do they call it a ladybird deed? Well, my understanding is when the there was a college professor that came up with the idea. And so when he did, it was he uses an example, Ladybird Johnson, who was Lyndon Johnson's wife. And so they called it a ladybird deed. I'm not 100% that's accurate. Okay. But <laughs> now I know. Fact check. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but an enhanced life estate deed gets rid of all kind of the drawbacks of a regular life estate deed. So basically in an enhanced life estate deed, you would still do the same thing. So you'd have the remainder go to whoever your beneficiaries are, but then you also reserve the right to sell, mortgage, do you, you can't be responsible for waste. Um, so if you cut down all the timber on the land, they, the, the remainder beneficiaries can't come back at you for it. So basically, it's it's just kind of like naming a pay on death on your investment accounts. So it will just transfer on death, but you can still sell it and do whatever you'd like with it during your lifetime. So the life estate holder sells their life estate under the Lady Bird mm -hmm. deed situation. What happens when the grantor passes? So whoever has the life estate that was mm -hmm. sold, it loses it, right? It reverts back? Well, no. So with an enhanced life estate <clears throat> deed, so if if I say, you know, I'm going to give my property to myself for, for my life and the remainder to Ashley, but I'm going to reserve. <laughs> we'll ink that afterwards. <laughs> but I'm going to reserve all my rights in the property. So I'm going to reserve the right to sell it, to mortgage it, to you know, use all the minerals, all my oil that I have on my property. <laughs> so um, I can then go and say, well, Dion offered me way too much for my property. So I'm going to sell the whole thing to Dion and Ashley's just out. She doesn't get a say. Oh, okay. So, so that's an enhanced life estate. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. What about in a life estate? In a life estate, I, you can technically sell your life estate interest, but yes, the remainder would still pass to the remainder man upon the seller's death. So you have a life estate. She's fee simple. You sell me your life estate interest, but you die. I immediately then lose my life, the life estate interest, and it goes back to Ashley. Correct. All right. I hope that makes sense for everybody. Mm -hmm. If not, again, we'll uh, we'll have to have a whole different episode uh, <laughs> on, on these issues. <laughs> so the important part is that Jane is is our expert uh, in the law firm and as a beneficiary, so to speak, or a benefit to the title company. So if you need help with drafting a will, everyone needs a will, by the way, uh, doing a trust, whether it be a simple trust or a complex trust. What Jane didn't mention is she has her tax law degree or LLM, so she can do the really fancy ones or the really simple ones. She can do all of it. So uh, Jane is your go-to person for that, for any, all, all things life estate or all things estate planning, sorry, <laughs> or life estates. <laughs> And uh, of course, she's our go-to for when we need help getting a probate done and, and a, a title issue resolved with that. So uh, we appreciate everything you do for the law firm and for the title company. We love Jane. We do oh, love Jane. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for watching. We hope you have a happy Halloween. Don't eat too much candy. It'll rot your teeth out. Um, but uh, we do want to, we appreciate you watching us and we'd love your feedback. 
So please feel free to post comments uh, below our episode. Feel free to check out our other episodes. Again, we have seven others, and they're all as exciting as this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> this one was pretty exciting. And if you have any questions for um, Dion or Jane, post them in the comments and we'll get them answered for you. So again, thank you to all of our clients and or potential clients. And for now, we're going to say goodbye and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.